Hello and welcome to the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. My name is Russ Frustic, and today I'm joined by Allegra Frank. Hey, Allegra. Hey. Hey. <laughs> it's it's really nice outside. We all we all recording outside today. Uh, I am certainly not. I am in a literal hot box. Mm, oh, that's horrifying. And mm. and what about you, Chris Plant? Down in down in Texas, how hot is it in Texas? It's it's like a temperate i don't know 75 it just started raining i'm gonna set the mood uh a light cloud comes over austin texas <laughs> crash that's the that's the rain and the and the the thunder and the lightning wow thunder Do you feel lightning like you... in texas just yells crash <laughs> yeah it's uh i'm listen i'm just trying to give you um a a little bit of lonesome dove, uh, a real sense of space. It's meaningful. It's mm. like a Metallica cover. I love a it. A purple coyote walks up against a brass okay. armadillo. So today we're going to be talking about... <laughs> uh, we're, today we're talking about the World's Fair. Mm. Who, here has, who here has been to a World's Fair? Uh, I'm going to guess nobody, but you, yeah. well, you, know, you might surprise me. <laughs> I've been to a Question. state fair. Yeah. Who has been to the grounds of a former World's Fair? I have. Of course you have. Allegra, have, have you not. done your obligation as a new New Yorker? No, I have not, and I really should. Do you know where it is in New York? Where the no, World's Fair? I don't. It's in Queens. Oh, it's in wow. Queens. We, we, will, we will get to it. <laughs> Did um, you even watch Iron Man? No, I've or, actually never seen Iron Man. <laughs> oh what about Men in Black? That was another big one. I was like four. Okay, we're we're going to be talking about World's Fairs today. The World's <laughs> Fair um, is a very old thing that doesn't really happen. I mean, they still happen, but not as we sort of know them. Um, its origins actually uh, they come from France uh, originally uh, in French uh, in France uh, right around the uh, right after the French Revolution. There was sort of this endeavor like we need to bring the people together. The people, you know killed a bunch of rich people they were pretty upset what how do we bring them back together and so they decided the government i guess the nice new government decided we are going to hold new festivals celebrating all the things that the people love let's list them out the festival of the federation the festival of law the festival of reason the festival of the supreme being and the festival of the foundation of the republic things i guess the plebs love these things and they just wanted to like give back right mm -hmm. Do, mm. uh, of those would you say any of them would have been thrilling for you guys to go to i'm curious Festi about the festival of the supreme being <laughs> well what are you curious about um is that something that would celebrate me specifically or whoa you think you're the supreme being? I mean, I, I've been told. So. Oh, my God. By who? I cannot reveal that information, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so, so the French had a pretty good idea. Um, these were a big success. Uh, they ran for several years, and they were like, well-liked by the people, and they really did be bring people together. So much so that they became a mainstay of French culture um, from 1798 to 1849, they kept doing these things called national exhibitions. And I'm going to test out my French here, uh, which is really quite good. 
They call them the Exposition des Produits de l'Industrie Française. <laughs> How is mm. that? Anyone speak French here? The, uh, uh, the, yeah, it's uh, the French Industry Exposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Or Expo. Products of the French, yeah. They were, basically the idea was, uh, they had a goal, which was to... I'm sorry, to, I just realized what? knowing French did not actually benefit me in any way. <laughs> you got some of the words. I felt like really good, and then I thought about it for a second, and I was like, nah, there's no need to be proud. Yeah, no, sadly not. Um, they had a goal with these national exhibitions. Their goal was to offer a panorama of the productions of the various branches of industry with a view to emulation. That's, that is a direct quote. Um, and they um, basically wanted to show off like what these different industries were doing at the time as a way to like make people proud of France. It was, a, it was like a nationalistic kind of thing. And um, they only showed off French-made things as selected by a panel of jurors. And in the first exhibition ever, they showed off a machine for extracting logs from rivers. Whoa. Uh. You thought the logs were stuck in there? Nope. They're coming (laughs) out of those rivers. Uh, They also had a... uh, Whoa, Joey. They also had a really (laughs) precise scale for measuring things, Mm -hmm. the weight of things. Uh, we, we, there was some wizardry. They transformed iron into steel, which certainly several people were burned over. <laughs> and my absolute favorite from the very first nas- nas- national exhibition in France was they uh, showed off some crayons of various colors. <gasps> That's cool. Did you know that crayons were that old? Uh, no, but also, yeah. wait, okay. I heard that in Canada... They call them, like, not colored pencils. Oh, I thought we were talking about World's Fair. We're, we're, we're talking about crayons, crayons now? now. <laughs> do we need to do a whole episode about crayons? Probably. Let me save this for the crayon episode. Okay. I'm curious what the Canadians call crayons now, to be honest. You'll have to wait. Okay. Um, so it was a big hit. These national exhibitions were, like, really popular. So much so that London, England, decided, hey, we could steal that idea. The whole city of London was like, you know, whatever, we're better than France. We can do it. And not only that, we're going to make this a world exposition, not just a, you know, UK exposition. So um, they hosted the World Expo in 1851. Do you, do you guys know where this was held? A very famous, well-known building mm. was created just for the World Expo in 1851. 1851, famous building. The Covenant mm-hmm. Gardens? Covent Gardens? Is that right? It's not right, but the co- <laughs> Covent Gardens are a place. Covenant Gardens the are Covenant. from Indiana Jones. Was it held in the Covenant? <laughs> uh, I appreciate, Allegra, any guesses? I appreciate that you had to... Um, correct plant even though he was wrong you should have just let that one go (laughs) i know i should have no i appreciate it isn't like is piccadilly circus like a building (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's actually a circus allegra it's an actual circus okay Uh, was it held there (laughs) yeah no uh so piccadilly Piccadilly circus as i understand is a circular road with lots of buildings can you can you give us a, a country of origin what like where is this for what this is in England. I oh, told good. you. <laughs> Didn't I say that? <laughs> I, I, maybe you did. And I just is this baby really brain guessing in English. 
<laughs> okay. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna give you one last hint, and if this doesn't help you, the the place looks uh-huh. like the Javits Center in New York City. Think about what the Javits Center looks Ooh, like, and it's think in... about what you would call something that looks like the Javits Center. I'm I'm thinking it's the not... Centre de Pompidou, but that is definitely not in England. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you guys don't know. So, so they held the very first World Expo in 1851 in the Crystal Palace. You ever what? hear about that? That's yes. a real thing? That's that what I was real picturing in my head when I said Covent building. Garden. Big mistake. Uh, oh. Covent Gardens does have a lot of glass in it, too. So I guess maybe that's why you were thinking it. But yeah, it is the Crystal Palace. And this building was built just for this event. It was made of cast iron and plate glass. Which, okay, so, so you live in 1851. Picture yourself living in this time. Mm-hmm. Every time you walk into a building, oh. you're like, all right, I'm in a building now. It's dark. I can't see outside. Typical. Starting in 1851 with the Crystal Palace, this was the first time that anyone had really walked into a building that large that was almost entirely made of glass. They were using a thing called plate glass, and the walls, the ceiling, everything was glass everywhere. People lost their minds. Do you know what is actually like genuinely amazing about this too? What? Nobody threw the first stone because they knew. I know. They all knew. They looked at each they other did. and they said, mm. "Bad, <laughs> bad idea." I'm no better than the man or woman next to me. <clears throat> um, the Crystal Palace was three times larger than St. Paul's Cathedral. Whoa. Take that, Pope. Got him. Um, and, uh, yeah, it didn't need any lighting. They didn't need to, like, put candles or anything in there because, obviously, there was tons and tons of natural light during the day, and it would just close at night. So they didn't need any lighting whatsoever. I feel like the UK is really cloudy, though. Yeah. Sure, but it's not dark. That feels like a thing they say. Like, we don't need any lighting, and it's like, well, sure, you don't cheapskates. Like, you could certainly use some. Yeah, but consider, again, we're talking about England in 1851, like, the demands for interior lighting were probably pretty low. Like, no one's walking into a CVS-lit thing. So it's super dark everywhere. So the fact that they're outside, probably way brighter in there than anywhere else. I don't know that people wanted it to be super dark everywhere, though. No, they just didn't have an option. But with the Crystal Palace, they could experience the true CVS-level lighting that they desired. Um, Okay, let's talk about some of the exhibits at this uh, very first World Expo. The Koh-i-Noor Diamond, uh, which was at the time the the world's largest diamond in 1851. Mm -hmm. It was 105.6 carats, um, or like three-fourths of an ounce of diamond, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Unfortunately... Uh, this is a quote uh, from a, a reporter at the time. The lackluster cut failed to impress visitors. So defi- despite the fact that they had a diamond the size of a giant fist, bad cut on that diamond. That's all it takes. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's talk about some of the other exhibits on hand. Allegra, what, what, what's the matter? You don't like uh, poorly cut diamonds? Would you be the one complaining about the diamond? No, I, I would not. I just feel like I learned a lot about you from complaining. What? I didn't complain. It wasn't me. That was someone that actually saw the diamond. <laughs> it's worth noting the diamond is also very controversial insofar as essentially stolen during the colonization of India and past hands and uh, 
India demands that it be given back, but the royal uh, crown does not see it that way. You're describing so, like a ton of what basically is everything in that's in every England. museum <laughs> yeah. in the UK. Yes. Uh, other exhibits that were at this very first um, uh, World Expo, mm. a gentleman named Alfred Charles Hobbs showed off. He basically had an exhibit on how crappy certain popular locks were at the time. So the equi- equivalent of like whatever the high end master lock is, you would just be like, nah, th- this lock is terrible. Let me show you how. And he'd like hit it with a wrench and it would just break. And that was one of the exhibits. That sounds rad. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, very, very, uh, very overstated, I would say. Um, it was home to the very first ever modern pay toilets um, at this exhibit. Uh, you had to pay one penny to use the modern pay toilets. Um, so much so that today, British people still say spending a penny when they say they want to use the bathroom because they're too embarrassed to say they want to use the bathroom. So they just say spending a penny. Oh my so, God, I love that. Yeah, it seems like the sort of thing our uh, coworker Colin would say. <laughs> um, this is my favorite of the exhibits. They had a thing called the Tempest Prognosticator. Any guesses what the Tempest Prognosticator is? I tell you what, I will give you $10 if you guess what this thing is. Okay, plant, I'm going to go no, first. No, you go first. <laughs> I need the money. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to guess it's like some weather predictive device okay i need more specifics than that something that can like tell whether like a storm is coming or can tell the rate of wind speed okay and how does it do that that you lost me (laughs) okay i can't get more specific than that i plant i think i know this this is like the weird it's a weird like leech thing like, you basically, it's a barometer, but instead of a normal barometer, you put leeches in it, like in, inside a little bottle, and then when they get grumpy by, like, the shift of an approaching storm, they start going upwards, and that triggers, like, a bell, and that's how you know if a storm's coming. <laughs> you are 100% reading the Wikipedia entry right now, are you? <laughs> Yes. What? <laughs> I can tell a cheater when I hear one. Wow, $10 for me because at least I gave an honest try. Uh, yeah, it is indeed a barometer powered by leeches, <laughs> which is amazing. And it's exactly as Plant described it because he was reading the Wikipedia entry. The leeches get pissed off. They crawl out of the bottles and set off a bell. And the more bells there are, it means there's a storm coming. Wow. Uh, interesting, is- interesting. I'm glad I knew that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got to pay you $10 now. No. Uh, speaking of money, let's guess how much it Wait, costs. Sorry, can I what? say one more thing about the leech thing? Sure. They're huge. Like, so like, it is like a, it would be like a size of like a, like a small breakfast table. Yes. And then as tall as like a, a, a human. And each of like the leech bottles is a size of, like it's the size of a bottle that you would think for like uh, oh I'm gonna build a little ship in this bottle, and each leech gets its own bottle. Yes, it's, and there's twelve. I am just shocked that like science is so big, <laughs> and it worked. It was very accurate. Gross. Um, how much did it cost for a season ticket for um? To, to come into come into the fair it was about four months long so one season ticket would allow you to enter the fair 
uh, for any day over the four months? How much did it cost? Um, Three doblins. The... <laughs> <laughs> That's close. <laughs> close made up money. Oh I'm gonna. God. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give you the old timey money, mm-hmm. um, and you have to guess how much it is in today's money. Okay. Okay. Old timey money for a season ticket was three guineas. Oh. Oof. And and guess what? Bonus, Allegra. Okay. Two guineas for women. Discount. <laughs> that's good because like that's sixpence, and then you're still none the richer. Okay. Oh How much God. was three guineas back then? Thirty-four dollars. Thirty-four dollars for a season. Okay. I'm gonna say. This 20... is in today's money. Keep in mind. I'm gonna say twenty-five dollars. What? Okay. <laughs> what are you? This is in today's money. I'm not talking about like. <laughs> <laughs> do you want, like can you okay, imagine okay, like okay, okay, oh okay. you get to go to disneyland okay for okay, an entire okay, season okay, for 25 dollars okay 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 okay, okay. It, it is 253 dollars allegra i'm gonna say 308 dollars okay 443 dollars okay so you closer. both were a little low but like a mm. good investment but a, like a, a good is deal it? i guess um, if you were only going, what? How is that a good investment? I mean, because you got to see all this stuff for four months. It was really cool. But how much right. stuff was there? Like, is that something you'd really oh, want to go was a, to every there day? There was a lot of stuff. Everyone loved it. <laughs> um, I did want to mention, so if you only went for one day, it was 20 shillings, which works out to about $139 in today's money. What? This was like you were buying, like, Radiohead tickets was the equivalent in mm. 1851. I feel like I'd rather buy Radiohead tickets, to be honest. Not sold yet. <laughs> uh, this was a big hit, I want to mention. So uh, 2,500 tickets were printed on opening day, and every single one of them were bought, like, immediately. So right off the bat, it was a big hit. Um, and it basically proved out this idea that, like, everyone wanted to go to these things where all these industries would come together and show off, like, the best of what they had um and uh so it continued so we there was uh, one uh, once again in france in 1855 with 15 million people attending um vienna had one in 1873 the one in vienna actually they had to move the danube river to make room for the fair they actually mm. redirected the river um do you guys know when the first world's fair in the united states uh took place and where it happened the first one the very first United States World's Fair. Was it the one in Chicago in 1893 or whatever? Mm, interesting guess. <laughs> uh, it was the one in New York in 1880. You, you can't be looking things up anymore. I'm not. I'm genuinely not. It's, it, but it's a, did they build like part of Central Park? No, I mean, it was in Philadelphia in 1876. Okay, yeah. The Central Park thing is the guy who built or designed Central Park helped design the Chicago World's Fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually pretty common. The guy who designed the, um, who would go on to design the um, Eiffel Tower actually worked on the, it was either the Crystal Palace or the French one. I think it was the Crystal Palace. Sorry, it's all it's all blending together for me at this point. But they did hire like the latest and greatest like um, architecture masters at the time to show off these things, which is bizarre because they are really temporary buildings that they would then either 
just tear down or move or stuff like that. So it, it seems weird that they'd spend all this money. But it's Which like a brings... big pride thing, right? Yeah it, yeah, it really was like a nationalistic thing. Like they wanted to show off what they were capable capable of in the way that like countries try to use the Olympics for that now. And we're all like, oh, great. Good, good use of money, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Feed your homeless instead. <laughs> uh, OK, so Allegra referenced the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. Do you know the full name of the Chicago World's Fair? It's the like the world columbian exposition or something weird like right that. exactly the columbia exposition yeah um in 1893 held in chicago um it was bonkers it covered 700 acres of reclaimed swampland in uh right off lake michigan it um basically had a main thoroughfare that was designed completely after venice with like waterways and boats and white statues and amazing like gorgeous like the highest of the high end like picture like in vegas what is the the venetian i guess was like that but but in 1893 <laughs> with 1893 technology it seems pretty impressive uh fountain statuary that whole the whole shebang um the each state uh, of uh, in the u.s basically had a building dedicated to them and they could do whatever they wanted with their building and the states generally went all out for example philadelphia actually moved the whole liberty bell to chicago just for the exposition uh, exposition and um that seems heavy <laughs> i don't think that's how it got cracked but that does seem heavy uh there was also a building entirely made of corn on the cob Whoa. So, so you could pick between Liberty Bell or Corn on the Cob, which is pretty cool. Mm. Uh, and uh, it wasn't just uh, U.S. states that were participating. All, countries were obviously involved as well. Uh, France, for example, recreated an entire wing of Louis XVI's palace in Versailles. Uh, Spain remade the Nino, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Right? Wow. Remember those guys? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, this was before forget? we knew just how awful they were. <laughs> uh, Norway uh, made their own Viking ship, which is very cool. Germany, pretty typical for Germany, basically showed off a bunch of cannons and guns that they made, and they were really powerful, and everyone was scared of Germany. <laughs> and then uh, Japan. So this is interesting. So 30 years before the Columbia Exposition, um, Japan was basically on lockdown. They were in a shogunate-run government that basically wouldn't allow outsiders to come in and wouldn't allow anyone to really leave kind of similar to north korea now so just 30 years before this was when the gates essentially started opening and japan uh this was the first time japan participated in a world's fair Ooh. and they actually made like a whole japanese village in the middle of an island and made it very authentic and People actually viewed it as like a really nice respite because the rest of the fair was like all super over the top and overwhelming. But the uh, Japanese section was just like chill. It was like super chill. Like we're just going to sit in the Zen garden and just like chill out for a while, mm. uh, which is great. There's there's a lot of weird mm, uh, racist comments from Harper's Magazine. That I'm not going to read about like, <laughs> wow, those Japanese people are pretty good, I guess. We're oh, all surprised. Really? Uh, but yeah, I mean that it showed you like how much of a weird novelty it was to even interact with people from Japan. So, wow. um, 
the Columbia Exposition uh, position was also home to, I keep thinking I'm saying exposition. What's the one where you tell a story in a movie? Ex- uh, that's also exposition. <laughs> oh, that's also yeah. exposition. Okay, great. I'm just going to keep blowing through. So I keep, uh, the uh, Columbia Exposition was also home to the, one of the very earliest, earliest elevators uh, made by Otis, who still makes elevators today. Uh, which uh, brought people up to an observation deck where they could sort of see the whole thing. 1893, I don't think I would have the balls to try an elevator. Mm-mm. Seems terrifying, but... I'm already else? very, very afraid of elevators still. Really? Yeah. I, I, every, ever since I saw an episode of All in the Family where the elevator got stuck and there's a pregnant lady in the elevator and she had Oof. to give birth in the elevator, I do not like elevators. Wow. Good to Nightmare. know. Yeah. Okay. Next time I'm in one, I'm going to scream at you and see what happens. <laughs> uh, technology was a big focus for them, actually. They had a whole building dedicated to machinery, which included printing presses, ice cream making machines, candy machines, steam engines, that sort of thing. Unfortunately, very few people could stay in there because it was so loud. Can you imagine? All the, it'd be like deafening. Forget about it. And in a closed space, big, <laughs> big mistake. Yikes. Uh, Th- Thomas Edison also uh, showed off his kinetoscope for the very first time, which was really like the first version of moving pictures that people got excited about. You could, it, it, if you've seen the photos of them, it's the ones where it's like a box on the ground and people kind of peer into it. And then it spins like a circle in the middle? No, uh, th- I think so that's no. the Phenakistoscope. Yeah, so that was before <laughs> this. I'm not kidding. I, I believe that, that was like the, pr- the primitive version of this, but sure. this, this was like a more tra- a more closer to like a traditional film kind of idea. Yeah. Um, all of these things, it's worth noting, if you've ever played uh, Bioshock Infinite, uh, a big inspiration was uh, the Columbia Exposition was actually a big inspiration for Bioshock Infinite. And you can actually use old timey kinetoscopes in that game. So if you've ever seen them in that game, that's what uh, it's kind of referencing is Thomas Edison's creation. Um, there was a women's building, hooray, uh, designed <laughs> by a female architect in 1893, which again, rare commodity, uh, which do- uh, documented, uh, documented the achievements of women, made by women, which is lovely. Um, Queen Victoria was very um, excited about it and even donated some doilies and fineries to the uh, women's, women's building, which people hmm. appreciated. And the last big first uh, thing at the Columbia Exposition was the, was the very first public aquarium ever. Wow. No, one's, no one had, like, gone into a public aquarium. I feel like super rich people might have, like, a pond where they had, like, crazy sharks that they bought. But, no, like, normal people know. So, uh, yeah, they got to see, uh, like, all these crazy fish. And it kind of heralded a new age for um, marine biology and a love of fish, not just as like, oh, we can eat those fish, but actually for, for looking at them. Oh, that's so, so cool. nice. Yeah. Um, I do have a quote here, uh, a non-racist quote from Harper's Magazine. Um, this is from uh, Richard Harding Davis wrote this. Uh, this is in reaction to the Columbia Exposition. And I should mention, uh, it, the nickname for it was called the White City because it, there was a lot of like white statuary, statuary and it was incredible. Uh, he said, 
There are some people who are letting the chance... Wait, I gotta put on an old-timey voice. There are some people who are letting the chance of seeing this white city that arose like a Venus Venus from the waters of Lake Michigan slip from them forever. They are missing the greatest event in the history of the country since the Civil War. Mm. I think he means great, like, impactful. Sure, sure. (laughs) Or let's certainly hope that's the case. Love um, that civil war. Y'all missed out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another quote here uh, from someone you might recognize, Helen Keller, who visited the Columbia Exposition. Um, this is from Helen Keller. I'm not going to do her voice. <laughs> I took in the glories of the fair with my fingers. It was a sort of tangible <laughs> kaleidoscope. Settle down, guys. That's how she experienced the world. Haven't you seen Miracle, Miracle Worker? Come on. No, no, fin- finish the quote, please. Okay. I took in the glories of, f- of the fair. Should I s- read it uh, sultrier? Sure. No. Sure. I took in the glories no, of the read, fair read with like my fingers. We're trying to be seduced. I think that's what okay. you're going for. Yes. It was a sort of tangible, tangible kaleidoscope. This white city of the West. All these experiences added a great many new terms to my vocabulary wait 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 wait. why is your seduction voice just ken burns narration <laughs> hey it works whatever works they called it baseball it was america's game played in the fields played in the ballparks wait she's still talking okay in the in the three weeks i spent at the fair i took a long leap from a little child's interest in fairy tales and toys to the appreciation of the real and earnest in the workaday world. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, did Helen Keller. Did she say yeah at the end? She did say yeah and totes after that. Um, it, it was a big hit. Everyone absolutely loved it. Uh, there's just like a universal praise for uh, the exposition and, and how impressed everyone was. Um, things were looking up for World's Fairs at the time. So much so that they uh, kept happening for a while until they very much didn't. And we're going to talk about now the collapse of World's Fairs as a concept. But before we do, let's take a moment and talk about some reader-only memories. Yay! I'm going to kind of split these up because I have a number of them and I didn't want to share them all at once. So I'm going to do half of them now and half of them later. So um, I asked for people to share some of the coolest things that they found while they were, you know, I, I, fair to assume that a lot of people have not been to World's Fairs, but obviously the internet is rife with really cool things that you can read about them. So a few people sent in uh, examples of cool stuff they found. For example, uh, so the uh, Columbia Exposition uh, was home to a murder castle. Uh, the very first serial killer operated uh, during uh, the White City uh, event. Um, it's featured in a book called The Devil in the White City. And uh, Daniel B. Tweets sent this in. Uh, basically, the uh, gentleman, whose name was H.H. Holmes, claimed when he was arrested that he murdered 200 people in a single housing unit that he was kind of renting out just for people looking for cheap housing. Turns out it was only nine, but it was home. To the very first serial killer. So well done, H.H. Holmes, for cracking that code. Um, Only nine. Only nine people. Uh, Friend of the show, Justin McElroy, sent in the tale of the first ice cream cone. 
Now, there's a few uh, kind of apocryphal stories about ice cream cones, but this one, I think, is known as the traditional image of an ice cream cone, um, which is to say, so in the 1904 World's Fair, there's a gentleman named Ernest A. Hamwee who was selling basically these crisp wafers. They were like kind of like cookies, um, and he was selling them next to the ice cream guy, and the ice cream guy, whose name has been forgotten by history, basically ran out of uh, bowls for the ice cream. Ice cream was a big hit back then, and uh, it was very popular, and he ran out of bowls. And Ernest, genius idea that he had, basically said, hey, why don't we use one of these wafers, wrap it around the ice cream, it'll harden, boom, ice cream cone, 1904 World's Fair. So, like, amazing. Yeah. One last uh, reader-only memory. There's going to be a lot more excitement. Uh, which is going to say there actually with. was. <laughs> I mean, like, I was cool. excited about the ice cream cone. This one's m- probably my favorite of the old-timey. Uh, this is from the 1939 World's Fair, sent in by Kevin Hainline. Uh, he sent in a picture of Electro. Electro was a large, man-sized robot who could smoke and walk around on its own. And it's terrifying and haunts my dreams to this day. Uh. It's kind of funny that like they jumped right to, well, he needs to smoke. Otherwise, yeah. he's not a real robot. <laughs> but there is a great doc, uh, uh, like a, a drawing of all his parts and how he works. It so wasn't like curious. it was like a mechanical cigarette, right? No, it was a real cigarette. What? what is, yeah. That's crazy. A me- what is a mechanical cigarette? <laughs> like, a, I don't know. <laughs> A like a robot cigarette. cigarette? Yeah, yeah. How, how, no, sorry. Walk, walk me through this one, Allegra. <laughs> I'm asking if the robot vaped, okay? Oh, so you thought like you had a USB port. <laughs> yeah, no. It was a real cigarette. He just had a bellows built into his, like, face. So it was pretty straightforward. Uh-huh. And not very fancy, but just seeing an old-timey robot was really head. impressive. Um, okay, so the, as I said, the Columbian Exposition was like a huge hit. Everyone loved it. Um, and then uh, they kept having more and more and more. And then came the year of the 1964 World's Fair, also known as the beginning of the end. Uh, I basically call it the beginning of the end. I don't know who else calls it that, but I think it's representative of the, the downfall of the World's Fair as a concept. All right, so the World's Fair in 1964 was hosted in Flushing Meadows, Corona Park, Queens, uh, which is exciting because I can see that from my window. Mm. I can actually see the World's Fairgrounds from my window at home. Wow, brag. Um, Feel free to track me down if you want. Mm. Uh, The World's Fair um, was actually, it was not an officially licensed World's Fair. There was an organization known as the Bureau of International Expositions, and uh, they did not get official licensing from them. But it didn't really matter because whatever, they're just going to throw this fair and they're going to have a bunch of cool things at it. And that's all you need. Um, The Bureau demanded that all World's Fairs have a midway, which this didn't have. And it actually ended up being a big problem, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, The fair covered 646 acres, which is about half the park. If you've ever been to Flushing Meadows or Corona Park, Queens, Um, it's a very large space. And... There were fountains and amusement parks and all sorts of amazing things, including something that Chris Plant would be very excited about. Do you know, Chris Plant, what was introduced 
at this World's Fair. Okay. Something, I, something I'm really excited about? You would be, yes. And it doesn't involve leeches. No. It doesn't... <laughs> oh, man. Like, baseball already existed. Um, oh, hot wings? No. <laughs> what are other things I like? I don't like a lot of... St- dogs? Is that when dogs showed up for the... <laughs> Nope, no dogs. It's not. The, it's not the leech thing again, is it? Okay, you lose. You lose all your guesses. Okay. This was the premiere of Batman. It's a small. It's a small <laughs> world. <laughs> oh no! 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 I remember this now. It was the premiere of It's a Small World, and oh, yes, yeah. it was sponsored by like an energy company or something. And that. And now, when you go to It's a Small World in the Disney parks, it's always sponsored by like companies. That is true. Um, Boom, you're baby. wrong about the energy company, though, because it was actually sponsored by Pepsi-Cola. Oh, that's nice. That's actually yeah. better than the kind of giant, terrifying energy companies that sponsor. Well, they're also, GE also sponsored a lot of other Disney-related things, of including this. Um, there was also an exhibit called Great Moments of with Mr. Lincoln that had, like, a weird robot Lincoln. Yeah, which is still also in the park. And let me tell you, it is horrible the way it works is you like you like go in and you're like, oh, I've heard about the animatronic president. Sorry, I know this is a riff, but just bear with me. I, go like, for it. The animatronic presidents, right? Hall of Presidents. That's in Disney World. In Disneyland, they have this like moment with Mr. Lincoln thing, which I think has been restored. And you sit down and it's like, they talk about the, the, uh, the Civil War. But they never sure. actually talk about, like, why it was fought, which is, like, <laughs> weird omission. Um, and the whole time there's, like, Lincoln sitting there. is you know, like, creepy, creepy animatronic. And you're like, oh, man, what's he going to do? Like, you know, Hall of Presidents, they get up, they get down, they, like, they, they, they do stuff. Nothing. He does nothing. And at the very end, as if it is the, the single greatest technological achievement of all time, he stands and that's whoa it. And, and the way it happens is like he, he doesn't use his arms it's like a like dead lift using nothing but his calf muscles it's core it's all core it's all core and calf <laughs> and it is really really upsetting to watch that's awesome i want to see that uh, i'm glad they haven't updated it enough because i like those old-timey creepy robots yeah i mean um, it would be better if the show wasn't like 20 minutes long <laughs> Yeah, that's that's lengthy. Uh, at, uh, alongside Lincoln, they also had the Carousel of Progress, which was basically a carousel like you'd ride it and it would show you like futuristic things. Yeah. So that was exciting. Um, a couple things from the World's Fair still exist in the park today, including the Unisphere, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a mm-hmm. large metal globe that sits in the middle of the park. You've probably seen pictures of it. Um, if you've ever been to a game at City Field and or Shea Stadium, it's right outside. Um, it's very cool. Uh, another thing that still survives are these really dumb observation towers that I hate that are right next to the globe. Um, they were featured in the movie Men in Black. They get taken out by a giant UFO. Aww. And they're really, really ugly and haven't been repainted in many, many years. And I really wish they would be torn down. Oh. But I can see those from my window as well, and it's depressing. Do you know the difference um, between those observational towers and me? What? I make this look good. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Earth, aliens. <laughs> it's a different movie. Um, so 
there uh, another really cool exhibit that you actually see today it still survives is the panorama of the city of new york this is awesome uh if you go to the queen's museum in um the park today i'm trying to like convey how cool it is uh picture like a very very large room with a scale model of every single building in new york and the surrounding boroughs represented so like every block recreated to the point where you can like bring binoculars and zoom in and see your own personal building wow and they've uh, they constantly update it so it like they add new buildings over time uh every like five or six years they'll add like new buildings and it's really really cool definitely worth taking a trip out to the queen's museum to see it mm. Um, other futuristic things that were shown off at the um, New York 64 World's Fair, jetpacks, Belgian what? waffles, the Ford Mustang. The Belgian waffles thing uh, was first, I should note, made famous in the Seattle World's Fair, but uh, they really blew up during the New York World's Fair, and everyone loved them because they were served with ice cream, and it was, oh, God, dynamite. And you Belgian also made it are... sound like they're not real. You can't start with jetpacks and then follow it up jet with packs other are things. Jetpacks are real. You create a sense waffles. of mistrust. <laughs> what do you mean jetpacks are real? No, like not real real. That was a real jetpack that they showed off. It wasn't, I mean, it's not like sure. workable. You oh, can't like buy yeah, one. There we go. There's the, the twist. But it existed. It's not like it was a fake jetpack. Yeah, unlike right. Belgian waffles, which I can make in my kitchen, like, now. Give me 15 well, minutes. Well, 10, 10, 10 years from now, who knows where jetpacks will be. Uh, <laughs> they showed off the first Ford Mustang uh-huh. and um, the first picture phone from Bell Laboratories. You could basically make a call from New York City to Disneyland in California, and you could see the other person on the other line talking. It was really cool. Whoa. Um. Not part of the not part of the um, expo was Shea Stadium, uh, which actually had its inaugural year that year in 1964. Um, the Mets would pay, play their first game while the expo was basically going on. Um, any guesses on how the Mets did? Badly. Correct. They lost. <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> Badly. So, by and large, people liked the World's Fair, but it was well short of expectations. Uh, They did have 53 million visitors, but the problem with the World's Fair was that it basically, they did it over two years, so they'd have six months one year and then six months the next year, and by the time the second year rolled around, demand had kind of plummeted, and no one was really going, and it was losing money hand over fist. The Fair Corp, which was the company that was running the fair, took in millions millions of dollars of advanced ticket sales for the first season and basically borrowed against the success of the second season to pay for the first season. So like, eh, we can afford it. This is a big gangbuster set. Everyone wants to go to World's Fairs. And it basically sank, like, any financial feasibility of the World's Fair. It was a disaster. Um, by the second year, uh, they approached a gentleman named Billy Rose, who is, like, a known businessman. And they said, hey, Billy, uh, you should take over the fair. And here's a quote from Billy saying, I'd rather be hit by a baseball bat and cancer in its last stages never attracted me very much. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, he was not interested. It's my oh favorite my Shania Twain song. Uh, yeah, it, 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 was, it was not well received long term. It's generally seen as a boondoggle and like a big loss of money. And uh, kind of set the standard for World's Fairs moving forward which is to say they're not a great investment. 
there was a World's Fair held very shortly thereafter um, in um, Montreal, uh, and the um, expo hall that they built, or the stadium that they built, was uh, home to the Montreal Expos, the baseball team. That's where they get their name from. Hmm. So... um, the Montreal oh Expos God. are not an uh, active baseball team. Yeah, you're right. They they moved. Um, nor is the stadium, as far as I'm aware, well, certainly not used for baseball. I don't know what they use it for now. I actually visited the stadium um, shortly before the Expos moved. And I was there on a day where the Expos were playing. Mm. And it was dog day, to give you a sense of how little they gave a crap about the state of the stadium. Anyone could bring their dog any guesses on what that stadium smelled like Wait, by the end of the day? You can do that at the Houston Astros Stadium today. Is it smelly? No, not too bad. And, okay, and well, it, the Expo Stadium was in rough shape. Yeah. I mean, were they just letting their dogs, like, piss all over the place? Yes. Oh. Everywhere. <laughs> I'm guessing at the Houston Stadium, it's not quite at fr- that freewheeling. Yeah, and they also you know only do, do it during the dog days of summer. Yeah, oh, exactly. Good. During the dog days of summer. Uh, I do want to take a brief... to ruin Allegra's life today. <laughs> I want to uh, take a brief silent segue as we listen to the theme song from the 67 World's Fair from uh, Montreal, which Locke Lyle uh, provided over Twitter as one of the reader-only memories. Let's listen to it. Wasn't that great, guys? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite theme songs ever, right? Really Just so good. catchy and, and lovely. I really like it. Uh, I like the part with and, the horns. Yeah, the horns. is Just primo horns. Um, World's Fairs basically sort of started petering out at that point. Uh-huh. Um, the last one, they still have them, I should uh-huh. mention. The last one was held in 2017 in Kazakhstan, and it had about 2 million attendees, which, again, is not nothing. It's a fair number of people, um, but certainly a far cry from the 50 million people that attended even the disastrous World's Fair that was the one in New York. Do you know the difference um, between um, how they run them today versus how they ran them back oh then? Oh, boy. I don't even... See, it's, it's the exact same. They just don't have anybody named Peter involved. Because they petered out. <laughs> Okay. Please, save us. How do I I just end right now? Uh, There is going to be another World's Fair in Dubai in 2020. So if you want to buy your tickets now, go for it. Sure. Um, The the U.S. has no intention of really uh, hosting a World's Fair, but there is a private company called World's Fair USA um, that uh, wants to run one and have one in New York City. They are promising 100 million visitors uh, for a a New York City-based World's Fair. Which, honestly, thank you, no. I'll just go ahead and pass on that. World's Fair USA, you can just sell your stuff to someone else. Got him. Uh, we've got some uh, final reader-only memories before we wrap things up. Um, we've got one from Chris A. Rock, who calls attention to the Sun Sphere of the 1982 Knoxville World's Fair, made famous by The Simpsons as the Wig Sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very well-known wig sphere from The Simpsons. Um, there was also, um, in the 64 World's Fair, I forgot to mention it, but Adam Goodall, yes, um, 
highlighted the amazing aerial tower ride slash waffle restaurant from the 64 World's Fair. So it was both a tower ride and a waffle restaurant. General reviews on the tower ride, bad. Waffles, good. So, awesome. Sounds right. Um, Before we wrap things up, I want to share just some sources for Uh you. Uh, The Vintage News' stories from the World's Fair. Um, Harper's Magazine, a bunch of articles from Harper's uh, that we pulled from. Um, Robert Rydell's A World's... All the World's Affair... That's a, the book name. Mm. Visions of Empire mm. at American International Expositions. Um, can we, uh, Lawrence Sam, what? Can we just recognize that, like, I've made a lot of dumb puns this episode, and that might be one of the worst ones. Very all bad. The wor- all it's like the not world's even, it doesn't affair. even work. All the world's... All the world's please a stage. Please stage. stop saying it, please. I'm okay. so close to uh, it. Lawrence it also Samuel- makes it sound like it should be a book about affairs. It's easier. Well, when you're reading it, it's very clear that it's not a fair. Lawrence Samuel's The End of Innocence, the 1964 to 65 New York World's Fair. Very grim title. Sure. And um, yeah, that's the those were the those were the biggies. I'm sure Um, that is a great book. I have no doubt. The End of Innocence, colon, literally anything could be a book title for every history book ever. Don't be so judgy. I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling. You grumpy. are really feeling agitated and punny today. What's going on? It was the end of the affair. It was the uh, world's affair. So the the upshot of all this is basically things peaked with the Columbian Exposition, and yeah. then since then, just all downhill. Okay. And if I said Columbia Exposition earlier in the episode, it's because I was misreading it, and it's definitely <laughs> Columbian worry. Exposition. You're definitely not going to go back and fix it. <laughs> Because there's no way I can. Every time don't, he says don't it, write it's just in like, letters. an exposition. Yes. In a uh, okay. Tone. As usual, um, please feel free to rate and subscribe. Maybe you know what? I'll tell you what. Maybe don't review this episode. No, you should. This is a great. This is one of the hits. Off of. If off this of is Chris your Prince. first episode of History of the Fun. Let me tell you, it. This is it. This is every episode. <laughs> is, is, a, is more or less this. It, it, maybe review it if we promise that Chris Plant will never appear on an episode again. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to everyone at home, as well as the people that submitted reader-only memories. What do we call it? Do we call it that? Yeah, we call yeah. it that. There's a whole song and everything. Oh Rom. Um, what? Rom. Rom. Oh yeah, Rom. Yeah. Please. I, I'm gonna end the episode not now. Know, okay. Like the. the- Oh my gosh! You came thank, up with thank a you everyone for listening. Didn't even know the origins of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I was kind of getting at. Okay. Um, thank you all for listening. As per usual, uh, rate, subscribe, do all of the things that you love to do. We love having you. We like making this show sometimes, some days. <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll uh, be back for real soon with more history of fun because. We're going to explore the hidden backstories of the things you love to do. <laughs> I forgot the tag on his show. What is going on today? Okay, thank you everyone Shouldn't for listening. Shouldn't the world's Goodbye. best friends talk about the world's best histories? <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>